Good to see everybody here this morning. What a beautiful day we have outside. Can't wait to get out there, huh? But for now, we're here. We're going to have fun together. We're in, a, we're in a series leading up to Easter, talking about questions that we might have for God. And uh, I want to cover a question this morning that maybe you've been asked. Maybe you're, you even came in here this morning and you're thinking this particular question. And it kind of goes like this. Most, most people would agree that Jesus is one of the ways to get to know God, you know, amongst all the many religions that exist. But is Jesus really the only way? The only way to enter into a, a real and everlasting relationship with God? It's a good question, right? And, and we look at the life of Jesus, and what we see is that he lived a very countercultural life. I mean, he was always caring for people, loving people. He was the, known as the friend of sinners, and I'm glad for that. Uh, I needed that. And yet, at the same time, Jesus made one of the most politically incorrect statements anybody could ever make. It was a controversial statement, and here's how it goes in John chapter 14, verse 6. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, what is it that makes that statement so controversial? I think it's controversial because a statement like that strikes at the heart of three key myths that uh, maybe you've thought yourself or possibly you've even come in here with or you've heard. The first myth goes like this. All religions are basically the same. And, and the thinking that goes with that is kind of like this. When you get right down to it, and when you boil it all down to the basic core, all religions basically teach the same thing. So it doesn't really matter which one you believe as long as you're a good person. All spiritual paths lead up this big mountain to God. And if you strip it all down to their essentials, everybody believes in the brotherhood and the sisterhood of all mankind and the fatherhood and motherhood of God. But Jesus does not teach that. That's the only problem with that line of reasoning. Jesus believed and taught that he was God. And that belief got him in a lot of trouble because it's radically different than the religions even of his day, let alone any religion that exists today. In John chapter 10, Jesus said, I and the Father, we're one. We're the same. And the Jews, it says in John chapter 10, picked up stones in that moment to kill him. Why? For blasphemy. Jesus is claiming to be God, and they know it. And so they feel like they are justified in putting him to death in that moment. Ultimately, they do kill him. They do kill him for claiming to be God. Matter of fact, this Friday is Good Friday. Easter's coming soon, isn't it? And this Friday, we're going to celebrate just the, uh, in remembrance of the death of Christ. 
And so if you want to come this Friday night, make sure and come to the Good Friday service. But Jesus said to them this. He said, I have shown you many great miracles from the Father. For which of these are you stoning me? For which of these are you going to kill me? And they responded in verse 33, we're not stoning you for any of your miracles. We are stoning you for blasphemy because you are a mere man claiming to be God. Jesus said he was God. Everybody knew that he said he was God. And it's really important because it might surprise you to know that throughout the history of the world, very few people have ever claimed to be God, and most of them are kooks. Very few credible people have ever said that in history. What happens is there are religions founded, like Buddhism by Buddha or Confucianism by Confucius, or Islam by Muhammad, or you'll get great Hindu teachers like Gandhi, or Mormons founded by Joseph Smith. You'll get in every religion founders, and then you'll get those teachers who emerge of that particular religious system. But the interesting thing is that Christianity is the only religion founded by someone who claims to be God. Everyone else claimed to be a servant of God, or a prophet of God, or a pointer to God, or a spokesman for God. Muhammad, Buddha, Krishna, Gandhi, you name it, never claimed to be God. Jesus did. And Jesus claimed to be one with the Father. And he said he was the way, the truth, and the life. And that Jesus had the authority of God to forgive sin. He allowed people to worship him. Now, uh, that to me is amazing because it really only brings us to one of three conclusions about Jesus. One is he was like a kook, like the, a few others throughout history that maybe claimed that. So he's either a, a lunatic or he's a liar trying to deceive people, trying to get a little following in people to worship him. Or he is Lord. And each one of us have to decide which one of those are true. Jesus is different than everybody else because he says he's God. He elevates himself to a, a position where forgiveness of sin comes directly, exclusively through him. Yet with one bold statement, Jesus Christ takes Christianity and he puts it into a separate class by itself. If the only real path to God is through Jesus, then the reality is that Christianity cannot be put into this general category of all other religions. Acts chapter 4, verse 12 says, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. See, the uniqueness of Christianity is rooted in the uniqueness of Jesus Christ. He is unlike any other religious leader who ever walked the planet. Other religious leaders have said, follow me and I will help you become enlightened. Jesus said, follow me, I am the light. Other religious leaders have said, follow me and I'll show you many doors that lead to God. But Jesus said, no, I am the door. You see, there's, there's a difference. It's pretty marked. For a long time, people tried to harmonize and find commonality between all the different religions of the world, 
but there are drastic differences between Christianity and every other belief system. As you study the facts, you'll find that all religions other than Christianity are based on man's strivings and sufferings and doings in order to try and reach out to God, to know God. For example, maybe you have to use a Tibetan prayer wheel or you've got to go on a pilgrimage or you have to give alms to the poor or you've got to avoid eating certain kinds of food or you have to pray in a certain way or a certain amount of times per day or go through a series of reincarnations. They're all attempts of man trying to reach up and reach out to God. But Jesus Christ is God's attempt to reach out to people. Jesus taught the opposite of what all other world religions teach. He said that nobody can earn their way into God's good favor. Nobody can earn their way into a place of heaven. He said two things that are very consistent with our human experience. One is that we're all sinners. We've all blown it. We've all, we've all uh, uh, made mistakes. We're all imperfect. We've all hurt others. We've all broken the commandments. And Jesus also said that those wrongdoings separate us from a holy God. But out of his love for us, Jesus Christ offers himself on the cross to die a sacrificial death. And in that one fail swoop of audacious love, we are saved and made friends of God. Period. See, other religions would say that it's about what you do. You have to do something in order to keep God happy, in order to uh, earn your way into God's good graces, in order to earn your way into heaven, and yet Christianity says done. It's not what you do. It's what Jesus Christ has already done by coming to the earth, living a sinless life, dying on a cross, and resurrecting from the grave. Jesus completely removes our sin with none of our help. That's different. The Bible says in Titus chapter 3, verse 5, God saved us. It was not because of any good works that we ourselves had done, but because of His own mercy that saved us. Now, that's not to say that Christians don't do good works. It's just that they don't do good works in order to reach up to God, in order to make God happy, to get God to love them, to earn their way to heaven. No, that, that happened through Jesus Christ. And out of our gratitude, if you're a Christian, if you've been saved, if you've been transformed from the inside out, there's something that springs up from within. that says, I now want to serve others in the same way that God has loved me. And I'm going to reach out, and I'm going to love this world. And I'm going to care for others. So it does matter which path you follow in your spiritual journey. Jesus' words dispel the myth that all paths lead to God. All right, let me give you the second myth. Myth number two, all religions have equal claims on truth. In other words, let's just say Christianity is different than other religions, but still, it's only one of many different philosophies that are out there, and it's only as valid as any other religious system. Even if there are some differences, 
They all have equal claims to truth. You have your truth, I have my truth. They're all basically equally true. And that has a great appeal to us in the United States because we live in a very tolerant and pluralistic society. And even within our Constitution, it protects the rights of any human being to believe whatever they want to believe. You can believe anything in this country. And isn't that great? I love living in a country that, that allows for lots of different people to be there and live harmoniously together. But some people make the false assumption that because the laws of our country protect every belief, that therefore every belief must be equally true. And that's not the truth. The Supreme Court has talked about how we live in this country with this marketplace of ideas. And it, within that marketplace of ideas, truth is going to grapple it out with falsehood and somehow with free speech in the middle. And, and at the end of the day, truth will triumph. So just because all religions are equally protected does not mean that all religions are equally true. Just because the Aryan religion believes in a superior race, they love to stockpile guns and ammunition, and the government recognizes them and grants them free speech does not mean that they're saying what they say and what they teach is equally true. Just because a radical Muslim believes in purging all infidels off the earth and that somehow that honors God does not mean that their religion or their claim is equally true. You see, in our country, anybody is free to make a claim that they're the way, they're the truth, they're the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. Jesus isn't the only one to have ever said that, but he is a religious leader who had unique qualifications, unique credentials. Jesus backed up his claims of this unique character. And let me just mention a couple of them. First of all, Jesus validates his claims to being the one and only, the Son of God. Uh, as you look at human history and you look at how Jesus fulfilled dozens of prophecies that were written hundreds of years before he ever came on the earth. He was born in Bethlehem. That's kind of hard to predict where you're going to be born before you're born. He died on a Roman cross, and that was predicted hundreds of years before that form of execution, of crucifixion, was even invented. He rose from the dead. Many different prophecies written about the coming of the Messiah, the Savior, Jesus Christ, hundreds of years previously, and he fulfilled every single one of them. People have done computer studies to look at what are the odds of some human being being able to fulfill all those different prophecies. And what they found is it would not just be difficult or unlikely, it's mathematically impossible for any human being in history to fulfill them. And yet, Jesus Christ did. And that's one of the ways that his claims to be the Son of God is validated. He also validated his claims by his unprecedented character. So many times when you get to know somebody better and better, what do you see? You see their shortcomings. If, if you were to know, get to know me better and better, you would find out, ooh, Mike has issues, you know? <laughs> He's not all what he, you know, I thought he was, had it all together. He doesn't. But the opposite was true for Jesus. 
as his followers spent day and night for three years with him, and they got to know him better and better and see him in all these different circumstances and situations, they came to the conclusion that he was sinless. In fact, his two best friends, Peter and John, and your best friends know you pretty well, John said, in him there is no sin. I can't imagine somebody living with me and saying that after three years. Peter said he committed no sin, no deceit was found in his mouth. Never even stumbled over a word. So his unique, sinless character validates, helps validate his claim of being the one and only son of God. Third, he validates his claims, his claim by performing miracles. Uh, Jesus challenged them. He said in John chapter 10, don't you even believe me unless I do miracles of God. In other words, his claim to be the son of God, uh, he said, it ought to come with some miracles. And a matter of fact, if you look at the four gospels, you'll see 37 different miracles, amazing miracles, done in broad daylight, validated, verified, and recorded by others. And if you count the resurrection, that's 38. So his ability to do the miraculous further validated his claims of who he was. In 1981, Jesus Christ did a miracle on me. He took a young man with a very hard heart, angry spirit, completely confused and cynical about everybody and, and, and life, and, and he entered into my life. He forgave my sin. He changed me. He turned that hard heart into a softer heart a heart that cares and a heart that loves. And he put me in on a completely new trajectory of life. He broke addictions in my life. And he showed me how to live in, in healthy relationships. And I know God has done that for hundreds of you. See, he's still working miracles in our life. And I don't know of a greater miracle than when he can take a human being who's hard and cynical and jagged and going in one direction and turn them in a completely new direction overnight and begin to work something brand new and transform character. Now, it's a process that he's working in us, right, for the rest of our life, but there's a moment of time where he enters into our life and he works a miracle of transformation and salvation. Christianity is not just a philosophy, it's a reality. Jesus didn't just claim that he's the one and only way to God. He validated those credentials. All right, here's the third myth. Christians are arrogant when they say Jesus is the only way to heaven. Now, I'll just admit right up front, I have met arrogant Christians. I'd agree with that, but, but I'd only agree that Christians were arrogant if the truth of the matter were that there were many ways to get to heaven when it comes to this one subject. If there are really many different ways, and they're just going, hey, mine's the best. Mine's the best. You ought to do what, what I say, what I'm doing. But it's not arrogant to echo Jesus. You see, Jesus knew that someone had to pay the penalty for man's sin. Jesus is the only one qualified because he was the only sinless, perfect son of God, son of man. He alone could make atonement. For our sin. His death was the one I deserved. 
He paid my penalty. And it's not arrogant. When something is wrong with you and there is one way to fix it, make it healthy and whole again. Let me give you an illustration. When our son Zach was born and uh, he was a little, little tiny guy and he was turning all yellow on us and he had, he had jaundice. And you may be familiar with jaundice. It's a liver disorder that causes the whites of your eyes and your skin to begin to yellow, right? And if undealt with, the doctor told us that it could be potentially devastating. But fortunately, there was this very easy cure for it. All you have to do to cure a baby with jaundice is to put the baby under a special light. And the skin absorbs this light and it stimulates the liver to function properly. And that's what the doctor told us to do. Now, we could have responded by saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, that just sounds kind of arrogant to me that, you know, there's just this one way to cure our baby. Um, how about if we just dip him in bleach and scrub him with soap, you know? He's yellow, he'll turn white, I'm sure that'll work. The doctor would say, no, you don't understand, you don't understand. There's only one way to cure jaundice. We could have said, I don't like that one way thing, you know? How about if I just sincerely believe that it all will turn out well? And the doctor would have said, no, you're jeopardizing the life of your child. There's only one way to cure it. You're hesitant because it just sounds too narrow, too easy, too arrogant. And then he's going, no, look at the credentials on my wall. I've studied at medical school. I've, I've helped cure countless numbers of babies. Trust me. Would anybody accuse us of being Narrow-minded if we trusted the doctor, a doctor with credibility, a doctor who had seen healing time and time and time again. There's only one way. It's not arrogant to act upon the evidence. The truth of the matter is, it may be arrogant not to. I, I, I think sometimes we, we form these little logical walls that prohibit us from entering into faith in Christ because we just don't like the solution. We want there to be a different way that kind of I participated in. And yet God has laid it out and God has suffered and sacrificed to purchase our salvation. But it does take humility to receive it. The truth of the matter is we all have a terminal disease called sin. And the reason that those of us who are Christians cling to Jesus Christ is because he's the great physician, and he's the only cure. And we can do, scrub our sins away by trying to do good works for other people, but it won't work. We can sincerely think there's another way of dealing with it, but we'll be sincerely wrong. We're, we're not narrow-minded. We're not being arrogant by trusting in what Christ said and who Christ is. So Christianity is unique. It can't be categorized with any other religion. It backs up its claims with credibility and credentials like no other religious system does. And that's why when Jesus said over 2,000 years ago, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. History was changed by Jesus. All that brings us to one last question. If Jesus is the only way, what about those people who are living in isolated islands out in the Pacific somewhere, they never got to hear about Jesus. Are they going to go to hell because they've never heard about Jesus Christ? That just doesn't seem fair. What about those who've never heard? 
That's a commonly asked question. Well, first of all, God puts each person in a place in this world where they might reach out to him. Acts chapter 17, verse 26 says, From one man God made every nation of men that should inhabit the whole earth, and he determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. You see, if you're on some island somewhere, it's because God wanted you there. And he is not making himself hard to find. God reveals himself in dreams, and God reveals himself through culture, and God reveals himself through the heavens, and God reveals himself through our conscience, and God reveals himself over and over again. I'm not worried about those who have never heard the name. I'm worried about those who have and have not acted upon it. God is incredibly just. He's incredibly loving and merciful. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 13 says, you will seek me. God says, you will seek me. And you will find me when you seek me with a whole heart. Gives us great hope that any honest seeker can find him, will find him. The notion that God is like this big mountain and there's all these different paths that lead up to God, it's just not true. I've been hiking. I know that every path does not lead to the top of a mountain. <laughs> Currently, I think there's only one way to get to the moon. It's through a rocket. You don't ride your bike there. See, I can't save myself I've got to put my faith in Jesus Christ and who he is and what he's done. Jesus entered into my world and Jesus wants to enter into your world. And he's calling out to us this morning. He's fully capable of leading us to a place of wholeness and health, forgiveness and new direction. But it does mean that we have to humble ourselves. Just say, Jesus, you are the way. You are the life. You are the truth. And I'm going to place my trust in you. Will you bow your head and pray with me for a moment? God, we thank you so much. It blows us away that you would come to this earth, God himself, in human flesh, And you would live a sinless, perfect life and then offer that life up on a cross to pay my moral debt and to take care of everything that separates me from a holy God. You reached out to me. Maybe you sense God reaching out to you this morning. Knocking on the door of your heart. Helping you maybe with some information, but ultimately it's not the information. It's the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that brings transformation of the soul. Will you receive that this morning? The inspiration of His Holy Spirit in your life. 
And if that's you and you want to do that, I invite you to pray this with me. Jesus, I still have some questions. My mind still has lots of questions, but Lord, from my heart, I want to believe. And I'm placing my trust and my faith in you, the Son of God. And I'm asking you to forgive my sin. And I'm asking you to begin a new work in me to change my heart, my attitudes, my, the trajectory of my life. And I'm inviting you in, Lord, and I'm just saying thank you for your grace and mercy. I humble myself before you today. If that was your prayer, God is at work in you in a very powerful way that will begin to unfold in the weeks and months to come. If you just want to lift your hand up as, a, as your own proclamation to say, Mike, I prayed that prayer, and I, I'm not embarrassed about it. I prayed that. I want that in my life. I, I want to encourage you right now just to lift your hand as we're all continuing to pray. Good, good, thanks. Yep, thanks. Yeah. Bless these, God, would you? We all just stand in equal need. And would you help us, Lord, just to marvel each day that we wake up with how good you are, what you've done, that we would never be, live in this cavalier way that somehow belittles or lives a life that belittles that. Lord, we want to live extravagantly in the love of Jesus. And we want to love well. We pray these things in your name. Amen.